Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research and broker-dealer member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and Cornerstone Financial Consultants are not affiliated. Welcome to the Journey Mindset Podcast. My name is Sean Ulrich, and I'm a financial advisor at Cornerstone Financial in Washington, Missouri. And I am joined today, as always, by my co-host, Ryan Shear. And Ryan is a former financial advisor with a wealth of knowledge on all things investing. So we are lucky to have him today. And Ron, man, what is one thing you are doing to enjoy your journey this Hey, week? it's springtime, you know, and the <laughs> mushrooms are starting to show up. They're starting to push over the oak trees there, and the and uh, I'm just kidding about that. They are starting to find a few of those white morels. And I don't know if you've ever had those, but mm. man, that's uh, that's a real treat. It only happens just a few days out of the year. and uh, But boy, are they good. So anyway, it's a wonderful spring tri- uh, season. What have you been doing? Man, I was in a wedding over the weekend. I uh, got to show you some videos of it earlier this week, but we had uh, just a beautiful venue. We were talking about Innsbruck. It's sure. got a, a great golf course. Yes, it does. Uh, one of my best friends in the world. And uh, it was funny because I don't know if you've ever seen a wedding party after the, the wedding is done enter into oh, yeah. the reception area with a little dance. So I threw it together, did the best that I could, got a little bit of an applause. You know, I'll All take right. it. All right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So uh, it, it was a good memory for us, and uh, it was my good friends Cody and Tia. They got yeah. married over the weekend, that's so that's pretty what I was doing. Enjoy my journey, man. So our topic for this week is we're going to be reviewing back over a book titled Everyday Millionaires, How Ordinary People Build Extraordinary Wealth and How You Can Too by Chris Hogan. And this book is a great read in that it shows people how intentional steps you know, over time and the right mentality shift can change the course of not only your life as an investor, but your family's life and so on for generations to come. So I'll kick it off today, Ron, by asking you, man, what comes to your mind when you think of the phrase everyday millionaire? Well, you know, what comes to my mind is I, I grew up in this uh, this town and back in the day when I was a youngster, we had just a few factories because, you know, it was uh, it's become more of a bedroom community. More people commute to St. Louis for employment and uh, than uh, than back in years ago, but we had a few shoe factories in town, and and not much more than that. And uh, those folks worked really hard, and uh, they weren't overly paid. I mean, it was I think fairly steady work and and pretty consistent. But the point was, a lot of those folks accumulated a lot of money and a lot of stock because they were tremendous savers. They were great savers, and and they uh, they did what most really successful financial people do throughout their lives is they they watch how they spend their money and and it was a great lesson to learn here uh, growing up in uh, in Washmos I uh, that's what I think of I love it and, and as I read through this book it really is a mentality shift for a lot of people being able to a first believe that they can achieve it and then stick to these steps that we're going to talk about today so I'm excited for people to hear about what it takes to become an everyday millionaire. And I think the first couple of words that come to mind for me too are discipline and determination because it does take that continual sacrifice like what you were talking about. So this book by Chris Hogan starts off by talking about three different millionaire myths that are out there. 
The first myth is that the wealthy didn't earn their money and that they don't deserve their money. The second myth is that the wealthy take big risks with their money. And the third myth is that the wealthy have a leg up in education and careers. Those are all three things that people think about millionaires. So let's dive into these three myths on the Journey Mindset podcast today. And again, myth number one is that millionaires didn't earn their money and they don't deserve their money. Quite the uh, statement for somebody to make. Some points in the, in the book that Hogan points out are that we're consistently told by the media and a lot of the times by politicians that if you're the little man in society, that it's impossible to get ahead without their help and that the problem should be solved by coming after the rich. And he goes on to point out that 74% of millennials believe that millionaires inherited their money, while 52% of baby boomers believe that millionaires inherited their money uh, incorrectly. Those are, are, are just you know facts that they believe are out there that just aren't true. So, Ron, how do you think that you viewed millionaires as a kid? <laughs> as a kid, I didn't really know, I guess, what a, really, what a millionaire was. And if, mm. I, if I did, I certainly didn't dwell on it very much. I, I knew that there were a few wealthy people in our town. And, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, for the most part, we grew up in a, in a, a single-income household. My dad worked and my mom was a, a great stay-at-home mom. And most of the people in our neighborhood and the people that I knew uh, were in the same situation. And quite honestly, Sean, completely different today than it was back then. People didn't spend money back in, in, the, in, the, back in those days. There, there were a few things uh, uh, that you did. I'll give you one example. You waited a whole year for the town and country fair to come to town and hmm. spend a week out at the city park. And, uh, but that was, uh, that was one of the highlights of, the, of, the, of your life as a child here. So, I mean, as a kid, I didn't know much about millionaires, and I certainly didn't uh, spend much time thinking about them. I'll tell you who I thought of. I thought of Mark McGuire and oh, Albert yeah, sure. Pujols yeah. and, you know, big-time entertainers and oh, musicians yeah. and CEOs, yeah. people driving the nice cars. Those are the people in my mind were the only ones that ended up becoming millionaires. Well, there you go. So it's pretty cool to see facts and statistics like we're about to hop into right now. And the facts that Hogan's team discovered was that only 21% of millionaires received any inheritance at all from their family, and thus showing us that 79% people, 79% of people did not receive a dime. In other words, they're first-generation millionaires. Eight out of 10 came from families that are below the middle-class income level. And it's interesting to note that 74% of millionaires will say that they believe that other people can achieve their status through hard work and discipline, and then a couple more steps on what we're going to talk about later today. But the two big things, and you hit on it early, Ron, are financial discipline and saving consistently. So, Ron, my uh, next question for you is, why do you think there's even a myth out there that all millennials didn't earn or that they don't deserve their money? Well, I think it's a simple answer to that. I think human nature kind of dictates that when we're not millionaires and we secretly wish that we were, I think the easiest thing to do is to not be introspective and, and just look at the reasons why we failed and others succeeded. And I think the easiest way to do that is to say, well, they didn't earn it either. You mm. know, they, they inherited it. Yeah. And that's a lot of uh, stuff. You wouldn't want to step in that and you wouldn't want it on your shoes. That's uh, what I would consider, uh, uh, well, you know. You Armchair just, <laughs> quarterback a little bit. <laughs> well, it's just, that's just crazy thinking. And yeah. It's very dismissive. But c because most of these people really, really do did work very, very hard, and they do continue to work very hard, and they work hard and they save, and it's uh, once again, they watch how they spend their money. Yeah, exactly. The second myth that we're going to hop into today and that we're going to look at is number two, that the wealthy – 
take big risks with their money and make poor decisions. And they also speak on the assumption that wealthy people make really risky investments and that they almost do stupid things to be able to get risk or to be able to get rich at some point in their life. And an interesting note that this book uncovered is that the average income of those surveyed was $100,000 or less, and that 79% of millionaires reached millionaire status by their employer-sponsored retirement plan. And that the average millionaire hit that, uh, that million-dollar mark by age 49. Nine to 10 have never taken out a business loan, and they also tried to avoid high-risk loans. And I was thinking about this pre-show, Ron, and I'm curious for you, kind of an open-ended question. With all the advancements in technology, do you think it's still going to be possible for people to be able to stay with one company over a 20, 30, 40-year period of time? Oh, I think it's incredibly difficult. I read this somewhere, and, and here again, I guess I should should be able to, to kind of uh, document where I read this. But I think a person who uh, graduates high school or graduates college at this point in time I think they can look for about seven actual careers or seven places of employment in their work life, which you figure, what is a work life if you graduate roughly from school at around age 20 or just maybe 21, something like that, and you work uh, for 40 years, uh, let's just say, so you're going to have, in th- the average will have about seven different jobs in a 40-year period of time, and that's completely different then the old, uh, the old way it was, I mean, you, you worked with a company back in the 40s and the 50s, even in the 60s, uh, for 35, 40 years, you got the gold watch and you retired, and that was, uh, that's <laughs> the way it worked. Yeah. But not so much anymore. Things are certainly different. And, you know, probably it's probably a good thing because yeah. it gives people an opportunity to, to better themselves and find a, give themselves an opportunity to do work that they genuinely enjoy. And there's, there's not a lot of people out there in the workforce, I think, that do, uh, do the job that they really, really enjoy doing. I agree, too. And we've talked about this before, how there's just a lot of wisdom and commitment. There's a lot of wisdom right. in trying to stick with the same thing and be as good as you possibly can at that uh, with understanding that sometimes families need to move and you do need to make career changes. But after reading through this book, it's clear that 79% of millionaires right. reach that status by their employer-sponsored plan. Mm-hmm. It's just a good thing to know. And just to give you more perspective on that, if somebody had a household income of 59000 and they started investing 15% of their income every year at age 30, they would have over a million dollars by age 55. So those people that feel like, oh man, I'm way behind on investing, or maybe you're a younger investor that felt like you should have gotten started a little earlier, you can still get to a pretty incredible place by by chucking away 15% of your income every year if you can be that disciplined. That's the discipline factor. And the problem is, you know, that most people don't want that 20 or 30 year plan. They want that three year plan to get rich. You know, it's just it's an unfortunate uh, reality of our society today. And some other interesting points in the book is that it says that 63 percent of millionaires never took out a home equity loan or a line of credit. And the millionaires also pointed out that they avoided credit card loans. They avoided student loans and they tried to avoid car payments as much as possible. So if we think back to the childhood novel about the tortoise and the hare, they're more like the tortoise, slow and steady wins the race. Ron, so I want to get your final thoughts on that second myth, which is that all rich people have to take risks in order to get to that point, compared to what we just learned about getting rich slowly. Well, I think that that's also, you know, it's pointed out that that's a myth. And I think the myth lies in the fact that that wealthy people do the same thing or have the same opportunities investment-wise 
uh, that, that most of us have. And there are some exceptions to that. I mean, obviously. But I, I don't know that those folks who have, uh, have been the most successful. Use Warren Buffett as an example. I mean, he's one of the wealthiest man, men on the planet. And he takes a very common sense, kind of an anti-risk type approach to investing. What he does is he looks at businesses that have always been sound. They uh, struggled temporarily for one time or another for one reason or another. And he buys the, the stock of those companies and, uh, uh, and waits for it to turn around and for them to right themselves. And you know what? He's been right more times than he's been wrong. It's not an aggressive, risky approach to investing, but he's been incredibly successful in his, uh, his uh, mutual fund or his uh, holding company, Berkshire Hathaway. Absolutely. And I've, I've found it to be one of the more intriguing things to have to consider, too, because sometimes it's just boring. You know, it's just boring to slowly and steadily chuck money away so like sad. that. There's nothing sexy or exciting Not about it in the bit. moment. But holy smokes, by the end of your life, it ends up being such a wise decision to make. And, you know, uh, you know, my thoughts on taking bigger risk, especially in today's kind of environment, too, there's so many trading apps out there and abilities to get into stuff like that, too. Is it possible to make money? Of course, it's possible to sure make money on, on something like that. But the, the facts will tell you if you want a locked in, you know, dang near guarantee and there's no guarantees in life that you're going to make good money over a long period of time. You want to invest 15 percent of your money into a paycheck to be able to set yourself up for retirement down the road. Exactly right. I mean, the old saying is still true. It's not timing the market. In other words, when to buy a, a speculative stock and waiting for it to grow up. That's the guy that wants to get wealthy in three years. It's not timing the market. It's time in the market. If you stay that discipline, do that 15% over time, it, uh, you know, all things being equal and here again, it can't be guaranteed, but historically it proves to be true. You will be, you will be successful. So true. So true. So myth number three that Hogan talks about is that the rich have a leg up in education and careers. And the two sub myths to this are that A, wealthy people have prestigious private school educations and that B, wealthy people have high paying jobs. And here are some facts to combat this myth. 88% of people that ended up becoming millionaires surveyed only had a bachelor's degree versus 33% of the general population. And some other pretty cool statistics are that 79% did not attend prestigious private schools. 62% graduated from public state schools. 8% attended community college and 9% of millionaires never graduated college at all. So after reading these facts, I checked out a couple of video recaps to just make sure I didn't miss anything. And they give a cool comparison between this book that we're talking about today, Everyday Millionaires, and compared it with another well-known financial book, The Millionaire Next Door. And both books found out that a third of millionaires never had a six-figure income in a single working year. Only 31% averaged $100,000 in annual salary per year, and only 7% averaged $200,000 in income over the course of, of their career. And you hit on it just a little bit earlier uh, this morning, Ron. Our community here in Washington, Missouri is a phenomenal example of these stats. You know, why do you think it, it is that these individuals who don't make a, a ridiculously high income are able to become millionaires down the road? Well, I think, uh, and please don't call a radio station, please don't call me, but I think it has something to do with the fact that in our community here, we have a very strong German heritage. And this hmm. is the way the Germans typically do things. And you know what, Sean? That's as true today as it was back uh, prior to World War I and World War II that, uh, you know, that uh, Germany certainly uh, 
uh, started and it was at the epicenter of all that. But you stop think about how they've recovered and what they've done in the past 60, 70 years. Uh, you know, recently we've had trouble in the in the European Union with uh, uh, with Spain, economic problems in Portugal and uh, several other countries uh, in the European Union. And guess who it is that's financially solvent and strong enough to help those countries out? Well, it's Germany, in spite of all the things that happened. I mean, the, the, the country was just absolutely decimated after World War II. It was mm. just broke. I mean, it was flat broke. And they, but the industriousness of, uh, of the German people is, uh, is why it was rebuilt and why it's on a, sign, a found sign, sound financial footing mm -hmm. that it's on today. And I think that's a little reflective of what we have in Washington. I think that German heritage, and that's probably somewhat diluted, and, uh, and that's a good thing too, but uh, I think that's part of it. That's the lessons that most German families learn, and I think that carries on in some sense. For sure. And I've had, you know, quite the perspective shift since I was a kid of what a millionaire looks like and how you really achieve sure. that status. And when we have people walk through our doors that have worked at a company for 30, 40 plus years, and uh, we're able to check out that statement for the first time, it's just, it's very intriguing to see, it you is. know, it just slow is. and steady right. saving over a long period of time. So another cool discovery that the book made was that the top three occupations for millionaires were number one, accountants, number two, engineers, and number three, teachers. And on the topic of student loans, only 32% of millionaires took out student loans. And the book points out that the average student loan payment in your 20s is right around $351 a month. But if you were to invest that $351 into an index fund monthly, you would have right around $3 million by age 65. What a huge difference between paying off student loans and invest in that money. There, there, that's the story right there. So the last seven chapters of this book, Ron, really had more to do with mindset than anything else. So let's roll through some of what Hogan's main points are. And just a reminder, you're listening to the Journey Mindset Podcast, and you can reach out to us at 636-239-5000 or connect with us at thejourneymindset.com. And the first thing that Hogan pointed out talking about mindset was a quote from Ronald Reagan where Reagan said, quote, we must reject the idea that every time a law is broken, society is guilty rather than the lawbreaker. It's time to restore the American precept that each individual is accountable for their actions. And his point was that millionaires take personal responsibility. So the facts behind him making this point are, quote, our research team did a study on the state of retirement in America and found that 56% of Americans are losing sleep over their retirement and they aren't sure how they're going to support themselves when they stop working, if they're able to stop working. And only 1 in 10 are saving the recommended 15% towards retirement. People in or approaching their 60s are sometimes starting to freak out, Ron. I don't know if you ever had any experiences with people kind of getting, you know, close to that sure. stage in life sure. where it's like, man, they're, they're really trying to figure out how they're going to uh, get through. And as we found out, 50% of baby boomers have less than $10,000 saved for retirement. So if someone finds himself in this place, where's a good place to start? You know, we've thrown out a lot of facts today, but what are some steps that people can take? Well, Hogan encourages people that you get to choose right now to take responsibility for your own life and that you can replace those negative thoughts swimming around in your head 
with new positive wealth building thoughts. That's what millionaires do as 82% of millionaires describe themselves as optimists. They're taking control of their thoughts and turning those negative voices into a motivation for change. And I'll also say, Ron, it does matter. You know, who you spend your time with, friends that make wise financial decisions are huge. Sure does. Huge in the developments. And I, I, we, I talked about this, you know. When I was writing the show, just how, you know, whoever, if I'm going to go work out at some place, I want to have communications with people that I feel like are on that right track financially. If I'm going to go golf or spend some extra free time, it's always encouraging to be able to have those, you know, building conversations with people that you can tell really take their financial lives seriously. And Hogan goes on to point out that some of these healthy habits and thoughts that millionaires take on our first thing, they own their mistakes and that they change their course when needed. 95% of the millionaires surveyed said that they're willing to quickly admit when they're wrong. What a cool uh, uh, characteristic mm, yeah, to have. Right. Introspective thought. And, and the second thing is that they like to take advice from other people. 98% of the millionaires surveyed said that they actively integrate feedback from other people. And 86% of them said that they sought advice from mentors with their financial situation. And the third one is that they used financial planners. 68% of millionaires have used a financial planner to achieve their high net worth. So Ron, is there anything else that you would add to that? Or do you have any thoughts on just those healthy habits that millionaires take on? Well, I think millionaires and successful people in general don't spend a lot of time thinking about themselves as victims. They, t- mm. they take a look at where they are and uh, they take a look at where they want to be and they have to come to some admissions about where they may have failed personally. That's difficult for a human being to do. It's the easiest thing in the world is to blame someone else's for my situation or where I am in life. And But you know what? That doesn't get you anywhere. And that's the difference, uh, I think, between uh, uh, folks who are very successful monetarily and, and in other areas of life, all areas of life. You have to be able to own your mistakes and be willing to take a look at that and admit them and to, to admit that you're making mistakes that's the, first, uh, that's the first level of making change and positive change. Exactly. And moving on from that ownership first mentality that you get into, I think this is the best statistic that we found in the book up until this point. And this wraps up our show today. One stat was that 95% of millionaires planned ahead and saved up for big expenses compared to just 67% of the general population. And this is one challenge that I'll throw out to our listeners right now is that do you have a written plan written down for where your money is going to go this year? Do you have a plan where that for where you want your money to go over a three-year period of time or even a five-year period of time? And if not, man, today is a great day to start to write that stuff down to get super intentional with your money. Because if you look at that statistic, 95% of them had a written plan for where they wanted their money to go. I just don't think that there's a, a, an argument against that when you look at the facts. And my final point that I'll make today, and I think we've talked about this on a previous show, is just finding a way, and you hit, you hit on this too today, to just be able to enjoy what you're doing every single day within your career. And I also understand that some circumstances are outside of people's control and that life throws stuff at us that we have no way to plan for and that, that you know our financial situation could be impacted because of that. But 96% of the millionaires surveyed enjoyed what they did for a career and 64% said that they loved what they did as jobs. And I can tell you from the brain of somebody that's currently in their 20s, when I get around my buddies and people that I'm hanging out with, you know, one of the most common questions, one of the most common 
topics of conversation is, am I in the right place and Mm -hmm. am I doing the right thing? And and we've talked about this before, but I'm in a men's life group that spans multiple generations and even people under their 30s, 40s, and 50s have said the same thing. Man, I'm I'm just trying to see if this is the right place for me to be and how rare it is to be confident and convicted where you are. And this is if you are able to get on a path where you do have that fulfillment and that joy with what you're doing, that's a phenomenal way to put yourself on a path to become a millionaire. So my question for you, Ron, is did you have a period of time or a point in your life where you knew or you were able to say to yourself, okay, I am settled and this is where I'm supposed to be? I did. Uh, I had one of those defined career paths. I had actually, I'd actually written it down as to what I wanted to do. And I spent most of my my younger uh, uh adult life in the media, either at the, in a newspaper scenario or at the radio station. And, and I dearly loved both of those jobs. They were absolutely phenomenal. But part of my career path was at about age 40, I wanted to get into the financial services industry. And, uh, uh, and, and that's exactly what I did. I, I think I might have been uh, a month or two ahead of myself before my 40th, 40th birthday that I moved into financial services. And never looked back, and if it, it had a wonderful career, and I've enjoyed it. I uh, I started uh, with the idea that I wanted to be a practicing attorney, and I figured out rather quickly that I don't think I was emotionally a good fit for that. <laughs> and uh, so I made that adjustment. And uh, but but here again, I think it's important that you do have some idea what you want to do. And I also caution people. I say, you know, life is too darn short. You shouldn't work in a job that you just really don't like. There's too many opportunities out there. And uh, to do things that you do get, uh, that you do enjoy, and you can, uh, you know, no, no matter, and it doesn't come down necessarily to opportunity or pay. You have to work a long time in your life, a lot of years, and you need to enjoy what you're doing. Definitely, definitely, too. And I'm, I'm encouraged by people that I've seen have found that good niche, have found, you know, a job that they definitely enjoy. And that's inspirational for me. That's that stuff. Those are the people that I like to follow on social media because you can tell when they wake up, there's an enthusiasm for what they have to do right, right, with their days. Exactly. So in conclusion of our show today, reviewing back over the, the book titled Everyday Millionaires, How Ordinary People Built Extraordinary Wealth by Chris Hogan, we learned that number one, most of the millionaires surveyed, they never made over $100,000 a year. Number two was that they were able to maintain a mentality and a discipline over a 20, 30, 40 year period of time of saving close to 15% of their income over that period of time. The third point was that they had a written plan for their finances and they sought the advice of other people, financial professionals, and lastly, they were able to find a career that they genuinely enjoyed doing over a long period of time. So Ron, any final thoughts as we wrap up our show for I today? I think it's a, it's a great show and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm glad that we have an opportunity to talk to people about, uh, about uh, their financial future. And uh, one of the, I think one of the sadder things I've seen in my, in my career is when you have 60-year-old people who set an appointment to come in and say, you know, well, I'm going to be 60 next month and I think it's probably time that I start to think about planning for retirement. And and you don't say this out of kindness and out of love, but you, you would like to say, I gosh, you know, I wish you were here 30 years ago or 40 years ago, because yeah. it's, it's once again, it's time in the market. But it's never too late to write your financial ship. If you're not where you think you need to be, then it's a, this is there's no opportunity any sooner than today. Take advantage today. And I think some of the best advice that I've gotten on this everyday millionaires topic is that as soon as you get paid, 
that first bit of money that you get, you know, hopefully it should go towards God to start, then mm-hmm. it should go towards savings, and then it should go towards investing, and then you figure it out for the rest of the month. You know, you figure out right. how to make it work. That's right. the rich dad, poor dad principle actually going into play. And to me, if you can make it unconscious, you know, you're just having that money set aside as soon as it comes in, your later self and, the you know, you hanging out with your grandkids is going to be so thankful that you made that decision. Absolutely right. To be able to do that. So the reason for the podcast and the real heart behind all of our messages lies in the gospel. We believe that God sent His only Son, Jesus, to this world with a message of good news. The good news is that we as humans did not need to earn our way into heaven. Instead, we need to repent of the current way that we live, living for ourselves in our own personal glory, and instead choose to invite Jesus into our lives to follow His word, what we believe to be truth. Ultimately, we believe Jesus, after living a perfect life here on earth, was put to death for no other reason other than saying he was the Son of God, thus being put to death for our sins, which he knew was going to happen. Again, the good news of the gospel of Jesus is something we did nothing to earn. It was a free gift from God. We know that after Jesus died, we believe he rose again three days later, appearing to those on earth who had deserted him before his death ultimately ascending back into heaven. And after Jesus ascended back into heaven, we receive what Jesus called the Holy Spirit to guide our lives in decision-making. We now have the freedom to live for God, bringing glory to God as a response to the sacrifice that he made for us on the cross. We wholeheartedly believe that we were all created to do good works, rooted in truth, what we know to be God's word, driven by love with this newfound freedom as a response to this good news. So as always, be sure to connect with us at thejourneymindset.com or visit our company page, cornerstone, the number two, invest.com and reach out to us at Cornerstone Financial in Washington, Missouri at 636-239-5000 if you would like to connect and learn more about what it would look like to invest with us here at Cornerstone Financial. Our goal is to always get to know your particular situation and to see how we can help. And big thank you for tuning in today. We love being on 99.9 KFAV.